This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ. Coming up on the Money Beat Podcast, it is summer. It is the driving season. Price of oil is around $50 a barrel. The price of gas is coming down. What does it mean for you and your wallet? This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to the Money Beat Podcast, everybody. Happy summer 2016. I'm relatively certain that summer has finally arrived. It's it's kind of warm in the, the New York area, finally. It took a long time. Over 90 twice this week. Pretty sure, pretty sure it's here. Pretty sure it's here. And that means... People going on vacation, people getting in the cars, taking a drive, a joyride, putting the top down, and you're going out. And that means you're putting gas into your car. So today we're going to talk about oil. And to help us with that, we have two of our great Wall Street Journal reporters on this beat, Nicole Friedman and Tim Pucco here in the office, in the studio. And uh, Tim, Tim made sure that he would win the Fashion Derby for today's podcast, didn't you, Tim? Yeah, I have my blazer on for anyone who's wondering. Uh, well, I lost out last time because I had no blazer, and I learned my lesson. To Timothy, uh, it is wool. It is wool. Yeah, I had to um, had to get out some unseasonable clothes just to make sure that I passed your very high bar. Well, I think that actually, uh, Nicole, you can chime in on this as, as well. Is the only person here who might have any fashion sense whatsoever. I left my blazer at my desk, so clearly I've already lost. Uh, well, I, wait. Well, I those think, are the rules. By, by the way, a, 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 I think a wool blazer automatically dis. Qualify. That is unseasonal. Uh, what, Paul, you are actually owning, not to steal Tim Martin's line, but the spotlight look today with the short sleeve polo shirt. <laughs> you know, what? this is a good look for me. This is like my one nice. Decent, he's he's going know, golfing for, after this. For summer. For su- yeah. summer. Very summer right, appropriate. Right. Very summer appropriate. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's start with the oil market. Oil prices, crude prices. For for both big benchmarks, the uh, WTI contract and Brent both hit fifty last week. Touched it really, touched it. Why is that number important? Do we is it, is it just one of these big sort of round numbers that gets attention just because of what it is, or or does it matter? Is it important that crude oil is trading around fifty dollars again? Uh. It is a big round number, and that does capture a lot of attention for reasons that aren't necessarily legitimate, but there are also a lot of uh, options trading that gets done uh, at those numbers. There are a lot of strike prices that get set at big round numbers like that, and uh, if we once you hit there... People tend to reposition themselves, especially after you've seen a rally like you've seen in oil. I mean, it's it's the sharpest rally since 2009. It's up 90 percent since February. Um, and and once you you know, go that far and then cross a big threshold, then the trading mindset change. You're talking about day traders here, of course, but right. the trading mindset changes and people recalibrate. So you'll probably see some stability for a while, but I think the key is that not in the too distant future, you're probably going to see another big move in one direction or another. What does it say that it touched it and it retreated and we're down you know, under 49 now. Um, you know, as you said, we're, we've already seen a rally of 90%, which is one of the best rallies. I mean, you know, is it is it likely that we're going to see more? 
It's possible, but not definite. I think there's a lot of fear around that $50 number that that could kind of be it. People are taking profits. They're making sure, you know, they're kind of getting out while the money is still on the table. And I think $50 is seen by some people as too high because the market is still oversupplied. And a lot of U.S. shale producers have gotten much more efficient and have said things to the effect that they could bring more drilling rigs online, put more money back into new production if prices hit 50 and stayed there. And so some people think we can't allow these U.S. producers to pump more oil yet. We still have too much. And so prices have to fall to kind of make sure that incentive is not there. There was an article on the front page of the journal on Friday about oil saying that it was reaching a a, a sweet spot. Is, from what I'm hearing you just say, is 50 the the sweet spot or is it lower? Is it higher? Is it a range? Uh, where, how good or bad are these prices for the industry? The story on the front page of the Wall Street Journal on Friday said that $50 is considered a sweet spot for the global economy. And so back in February, when oil prices were trading below 30, there was a lot of concern that that was so low it was going to destabilize, you know, kind of oil producing nations spread to many markets. You know, we would see a lot of defaults that would potentially spread to the banks. And so there was this fear that oil at those prices could really set the world into a recession. And at 50, those fears have ebbed. And so it's a sweet spot for the global economy, but it's not necessarily the sweet spot for the oil industry. It might still be too high. And some people see a range kind of between 40 and 50, or maybe a bigger range between 40 and 60 that prices have to stay within to kind of keep you know, meeting demand and making sure there's enough oil to meet demand, but also limiting new production until the huge glut of crude is worked off. I was just going to say, I, I I sort of have to steal Paul's bearish sort of sentiment, and I, I feel very bearish. I don't own bearish sentiment. I know, I, you're, not, you're not stealing it from me. You are me. Papa Bear, though. I, you know, I'm one of the, the bearish folks, but you don't but, steal it from but, me. You can have your own. But with the, this oil... It's okay to be bearish, gross. You don't have to preface it by saying you're stealing it. You're bearish, I, I, my no, friend. No, but that's you're your territory. Bearish. I don't want to walk on No, it. you're bearish. But with own this it. oil it. rally, you saw, like, on February 11th, when the market bottomed, you saw the, the oil minister from, I'm, I think it was either Kuwait or Abu Dhabi. UAE. Come out, UAE. Come out and start talking about essentially, you know, um, putting production um, sort of caps, freezes, whatever. From that point on, oil is sort of has risen and it's risen on a lot of talk about production caps. Then we didn't get them in Doha. Then it was, you know, sort of these, you know, sort of production outages in Canada, Nigeria, and the oil cap rally. And in, during that period, the Fed started getting, you know, more hawkish. The dollar started rising. You saw other commodities fall. And there's a divergence with those commodities like copper uh, and, you know, oil. But is is there been enough like change in the production in the world to really support this rally, or is this a rally that once sort of you know Canada gets back up online and a lot of these production you know or production disruptions clear the way that oil's going to you know pull back again? Well, it's a matter of kind of and maybe not. So when we talk about the sweet spot, I think the timing is really important. And you have certainly seen declines in production around the world that is not in OPEC uh, and not in North America. Uh, But it hasn't been steep. A a lot of those declines are uh, still to come. The biggest the biggest declines from major like investments being scuttled. Uh, We we have seen a ton of investment put off because oil prices are so low 
and that is going to hurt a lot of your you know your offshore your your deep sea drilling uh, ocean drilling uh, first, but it just takes a while for that to take effect. So you know, for you know, now we think about the U.S. industry. These are the guys who can really flood the market. And if you get oil back above fifty too soon, you know, it could, might be a sweet spot later. But if if you go there now, you could unlock a lot of production again from U.S. shale drillers, and then your bearish scenario comes into play. You know, a rally can be self defeating if it encourages more supply before the world is ready for it. And if you if you had a bunch of U.S. shale producers just open up the taps again right now and, and produce full tilt like they want to, like their DNA directs them to do it, then, then yeah, you're in a very bearish scenario again. But just to put a word in for the bulls very quickly, these outages are huge. These are the, People say these are the highest levels of unplanned outages around the world that we've seen potentially since 2003 during the Iraq War or potentially even before that during the first Gulf War. So so these are this is a really you know unprecedented level of outages we're seeing. Some of them will definitely come back. Canada will come back. The oil industry is in fine shape. Um, but some of them, like Nigerian violence, these attacks on oil terminals that we're seeing, and political unrest in Libya, might not come back for an extended period of time. And I think that fear is valid. Hmm. Uh, let's take a break. And on the other side, we can continue that thought if you want a little bit. And, and we'll talk more about what this really means for consumers who are driving uh, this Memorial Day weekend and this summer. So listen to this message, and we'll be back after this. I'm Veronica Dagger, and I want to retire rich. How about you? Then listen to the Watching Your Wealth podcast. We'll help you get there. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast, and find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Money Beat podcast, which is totally not being pre-taped on Friday, uh, which will run out on Monday. We are taping this. Uh, is almost live. Almost live. Well, now that we know that it's Friday, Nicole, are you going to the Brown <laughs> reunion? Because like, there's like four people in our office who are yeah, I didn't realize so many Friday. people went I am, to, tonight. I am not going. I'm going to go next year because it's a five-year multiple for me, and those are more widely attended. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna skip this year's. The dance there's the the dance is supposed to be fabulous. There's gonna be a big dance off tonight. Campus dance, yeah. yeah. They shut down the whole campus and turned the whole thing into a massive dance party. It's incredibly fun. Wow. Uh, and hey, listen, if you're interested in podcasts that don't have to do with uh, goings on in the Rhode Island area, why don't you uh, check us out at wsj.com/podcasts? You can follow us on Twitter. We are at WSJ Podcasts. And become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. And now look for us on the Google Play Music app on Android devices. We are here in the studio on – all right, folks, it's Friday. We're going to put this out on, on Monday. Uh, we are here talking about oil prices. Oil came – hit 50 last week, uh, retreated a little bit from there. What does it mean for the industry we were just talking about? Let's talk a little bit about what it means for consumers for the summer driving season. Uh, I – in in my driving around my locality there in New Jersey, I, I watch prices like a hawk. I'm like a lunatic to try and find the lowest oil price, the lowest gas prices. <laughs> I know. I really do. You but, know there's a thing called the internet that can help you do that. Yeah, I'm, there are I'm apps too old school. that help you I'm find the you, you, yeah, you gas. You just want to drive? You, sort of, you want to burn gasoline to go to all the different gas <laughs> uh, yeah, stations? Yeah, I will. I will. I literally will you drive to You are the glass. inefficient consumer. I am. Yeah. In a, I will drive to another town and get, you know, three cent cheaper gas per gallon. Drives my wife up a wall. She can't believe that I obsess on this like I do. 
But there's a good reason, because it, it's my money. It is my money coming out of my wallet. So let's talk about what is this, what, 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 can, we, what can drivers expect this summer out of gas prices? Well, right now they're going to go out on Memorial Day weekend and get the lowest prices that they've seen in 11 years. Uh, there will probably be some increase in the weeks to come just because there's a lag between futures and, and what comes down to the retail level. And because of this huge oil rally, there will be some increase. But there's a lot of debate right now about how far that goes. Of course, you never, you never really know. Um, uh, and some will say, well, if oil is going to keep going up because of these supply disruptions that we're talking about, then gasoline prices will have to follow. But gasoline stockpiles are very high. There's a, a very healthy supply of gasoline out there. And we're entering the part of the year where um, spring maintenance season typically ends and refiners run harder uh, than, than at any other time of the year just to take advantage of the fact that there are consumers out there driving a whole lot. And so if that comes to pass, as it usually does, and refiners pump the market full of gasoline, as they typically do this time of year, on top of the unusually high stockpiles that we now have, then that's a very large amount of gasoline that can you know, blunt the rise of oil futures or even take gasoline lower in, in the face of a rallying oil market. Uh, Nicole Freeman, you've noted something about inventories, I think, once or twice in some stories you've written. Ha- have it- inventories are super high. And so there's inventories of crude oil, but then also refined products like gasoline, diesel, jet fuel. And kind of across the board, all of those stockpiles are really high right now. How high are those stockpiles? Well, in the U.S., I'm glad you asked, um, they're near a record high for crude specifically in the U.S., Stockpiles are just down from the highest level since 1929, 1929. Yes, which was pretty much just after Texas was discovered to have a lot of oil. And these huge gushers started. Beaumont. The Beaumont. Basically, yeah, started pumping oil at rates that just couldn't be contained. And so they needed to just stash it away. Oil prices fell to, I think, about 10 cents a barrel. So to put that in perspective, right. we're not maybe haven't seen such a big crash this year as we as we have throughout history. That's actually that that whole story about Beaumont in, in twenty nine and thirty and the oil boom, that's a great that is a if if you want to spend some fun time over the weekend Googling something interesting, that whole that that boom, it's spindle time I've read about it before. It's really it's just a fascinating story. For the industry, especially, but also just for for, the, for America, also, it's really it's a fascinating little bit of history. Definitely, and this is this is how commodity markets work. There are booms and busts, right. and so new supply comes online, floods the market, prices collapse, and then you know supply investment then falls back, and supply falls down, and prices rebound again. And that's exactly what we're seeing now. And so a lot of people, in retrospect, are saying this price collapse was very very predictable based on the history of oil prices and commodities in general. But, of course, every time it's a surprise because people have very short memories and they, they don't right. see it coming. Well, this yeah. time's different. I have to say, you said it's the lowest prices in 11 years, Tim. I, for Memorial Day weekend. For Memorial yeah. Day weekend. I mean, that just that, that seemed very surprising to me. It doesn't feel like the lowest prices in 11 years. Well, why is that? Because yeah. it, it still feels expensive. Well, yeah, but 2005, I mean, the oil was rising pretty rapidly right. then. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It, it doesn't feel like gas is particularly cheap to me. Well, one thing that's interesting is that as gasoline prices fall, 
people reset their expectations for what they should be. Yeah. And so uh, I might be getting my years mixed up, but I think about uh, it was either a year or two, a year ago or two years ago when AAA surveyed drivers about you know what gas prices are too high. The threshold was basically three fifty. Mm-hmm. You had that. That was the level at which more than half of the survey respondents said prices were too high. And AAA just did that survey again, uh, I think a few weeks ago, and now it's two fifty. Fifty percent of all their, their survey respondents, U.S. drivers, think that you know their expectations have come down about a dollar in just a right. year or two. And so, if prices were to go up uh, to two fifty again, then everyone would would feel like you feel right now. Right. No, I want, let's do a survey of just one, Paul. What is too <laughs> high for you? You are uh, the classic inefficient consumer. We've, we've yeah. discovered that. So please set the market I, I, for us. I say anything over eighty cents, eighty-seven cents a gallon <laughs> is, is too high. I'm going to gripe. As a Californian who like never ever in her life saw gas prices as cheap as I've seen in New Jersey, right. my whole childhood in California, I think you have outrageous expectations. It's I, true. I Every, do. I admit. I all New Jerseyans do because of your low gasoline right. taxes. You have these guys who just pump the gas for you. It's just a remarkably <laughs> weird. Thing. Thing. It is. It is. Uh, but we let, let me tell you, we, we get it on the backside because our property taxes are ridiculous. And all your tolls. And all our Every tolls. Yeah. So toll like road. New Jersey is cheap gas, but expensive everything else. So it's not like we're really getting over. Tell that to a Californian. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but it, it is interesting. Let's I mean, get all of Paul's no, gripes out. But, but it, it is. <laughs> it is interesting. You, you wonder how much the the price actually ends up even mattering or whether it's just people just don't like paying for gas and feel that it's too expensive no almost no matter what I mean, the price I mean I feel is. pretty safe in saying this is Americans do not like taxes and right. gas right. whether you you know or paying for things um, and, and when gas goes up, it feels like a tax. Right. Americans don't like anything that separates them from yeah. their money. Exactly. <laughs> but it, it's interesting because you, you get into the psychology of it. And people kept talking about how when gas prices were coming down, oh, this is such a – it's like a, a refund for the consumer. They're going to go spend all the money. And they didn't go spend the money because they because I think there's, there's, a, there's a mentality about it. If you talk to economists, they'll tell you that there's a big psychological change among U.S. consumers since the financial crisis. That was a huge yeah. wake-up moment that has really stuck with people, right. and that made it crystal clear that their free-spending days were causing them long-term problems, mm-hmm. and uh, I think the spending rate has come up about a dime. The... the, the Past research suggested that for every 60 to 70 cents that people saved in, I think it was gasoline prices, uh, I'm sorry, for every dollar they saved, they would spend 60 to 70 cents of that. Right. And since the financial crisis, that is down to 50 or 60 cents because they're putting that extra 10 cents in savings. They have heavy debts that they realize that are, are unsustainable and have to be paid yeah. off. Yeah. Let's let's like I want to just go before we wrap this up quickly go back to cuz Nicole has a story coming out talking about, you know, risk back in the oil market and related to these production disruptions around the world. And I was just wondering if you'd sort of give us a little bit of a taste of your story that's going to be coming out Monday morning. Yeah, and so it's about the it's called the risk premium or the fear premium that is typically in oil prices the fear that there could be violence in the Middle East or some sort of, you know, explosion, natural disaster that would take production offline. And typically that is seen to account for, you know, $5, $10 in the price of oil. It's just that fear that supply might not be available in the future. 
And in the past two years, when we've had this huge oversupply, prices have been falling, that that fear premium has completely disappeared from the market. There was there were outages, you know, Iranian sanctions were keeping a lot of oil off the market, but there was so much coming from the US that it just didn't matter and prices kept falling. And now it's kind of this confluence of events where we're seeing production falling in the US and in other locations, and we're seeing these outages, and so suddenly this buffer feels very tenuous, and the fear premium is back. Well, all right. We will look for that story, and everyone out there, you should look for it, too. Uh, Nicole Friedman, Tim Pucco, Stephen Grosser, Paul Vigna, thanks for listening, and hey, it's summer, so go out there and drive a little bit, and don't worry about the price of gas. It'll be okay, kids. The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude.